Hello everyone and welcome to Sam Talks Technology, your weekly guide about all things tech and business with Sam Sethi. Hello and welcome to another episode of Sam Talks Technology. I'm very excited today because I've got Mukal Devichan. He's the executive editor of Voice and AI at the BBC. In a nutshell, he's responsible for their new voice assistant called the Beeb. Mukal, hello, how are you? Hello, hello Sam. Lovely to be here. Thank you for joining us. Now, I, I said that you are in charge of this new technology that was announced recently called Beeb, which is a voice assistant. Let's start off with what is Beeb? How do you define it uh, and what's its role? Sure. You, you can meet Beeb um, okay. and talk to Beeb. Let me just see if I can get Beeb to talk to you. Hold on. Hey, what are you? Hi, what can I do for you? You can ask me to play any of the BBC's radio stations, shows and music mixes. There you go. So that's your brief introduction to Beeb. Beeb is a voice assistant, to put it simply. And Beeb is, as the name probably implies, Beeb is very much comes from the BBC and is, at the moment, Beeb is a beta product that lives in the Windows Insider testing program and is an early expression of what a BBC-run voice assistant could be. And it can do what it just told you because it's genderless. It's kind of obvious what you can ask it for. It's ask for your BBC program, your audio program, your radio station, and it can make conversation about a bunch of things. It can tell you a little bit about what's going on in the world. You can ask it to update you. Moving forward, Beeb is really, I mean, we say it's the world's first public service AI assistant. And that's because we are the world's leading public service broadcaster. So really what we do in the world is the BBC. Beeb is, is a kind of a voice AI expression of that mission. But now it is just where it is. And it's very much day 42. Still very young. Very young. <laughs> but in a nutshell, it's a BBC's public service voice AI assistant. Okay, well, that le- opens up a, a panoply of um, questions. First off, um, why or how or who came up with the idea of starting a voice assistant for Beeb? Was that you? Well, look, I, I, I won't take sole credit for any one decision or anything. The, the bigger decision, I think, really came from Tony Hall, our, our DG, and it goes back a couple of years. I'm an editor by background and was running some digital products for the BBC had done some interesting stuff. And I got a a tap on the shoulder from the big bosses. And I think they realized from early on that some technologies are huge disruptors and they identified that voice and AI technology might well become one of those. And so they asked myself, but also a bunch of other people from the worlds of technology and a team we have called News Labs and Andy Webb, who is the head of product for voice and AI, to have a think about this and come up with the contours of how the BBC should begin to react to this big change. And there's a bit of crystal ball gazing in this. We all have to make predictions about how the world is going to change. Voice and AI assistants are, if you observe where big tech have been putting their money for the last several years, this is going to be something. And I give the credit to our bosses to identifying from early on that this is something we need to be looking at. And then in terms of how we get to be, I think our aim is basically to facilitate What we're really thinking is, how is the world going as we move towards, people call this, you know, all these buzzwords fly around. People say this, the voice internet is going to be the fourth internet or the ambient internet. So conversational AI, that's another one. Conversational AI, it's kind of word that I didn't know some years ago and now I use as if it's like a normal word. 
So as these technologies bed in, our, our aim has always been, what is the best possible conversation that the public can have with the BBC, which they all pay for? And we've done various things over that time to further enable that conversation. For example, our skill on Alexa um, and some other skills. We've tried out various experiments. And the latest step is to try out and start to offer this technology of a BBC public service assistant of its own. It's alongside a whole bunch of other things. And now it's very much a beta technology and we are trying it out and learning from it. So in that sense, it's part of a wider strategic bit of thinking that says, this is important. The BBC needs to achieve certain things in this space. And the voice assistant is one way of doing it. What it's not about is I came up with the idea of launching a voice assistant and we just launched it. What we're trying to do is achieve some things for the public. And along the journey, we think this might be a really useful tool to, to be able to do that. I get where it fits in. BBC has got a great tradition of pushing the boundaries of technology. It, it did with RSS, it did with podcasting, clearly with BBC iPlayer and BBC Sound. So this is just another uh, piece of that jigsaw in technology to get the BBC content to people in different ways. So you say it's currently in beta. How can people join the beta? Is there an open beta? Do people apply for this or is it still really too early? No, it's not too early. At this point, it runs inside a program called Windows Insiders. So as part of developing the voice assistant, we worked alongside uh, Microsoft. And so therefore, it's available in this particular testing program. I I think anybody can sign up to be in Windows Insiders. And then you have access to Beeb. And this is all new to me. I'm a broadcaster by by background. We tend to do big, big launches. We're like, it's not here today and it's here tomorrow. But technology is much more about testing, stabilizing, learning from and building a user base slowly and training in the case of an AI assistant, training it so it can understand more and more voices and, and, and also training us as an organization in what it means to own and run a voice assistant capability and develop from there. So for the purposes of your listeners today, you can ask me stuff and I can ask Bebit. But if you want to play with it yourself, then at the moment inside the Windows Insiders program. So one of the things that I, I guess Microsoft had a positive and negative experience with voice, their Japanese development team launched voice assistant. It learned and it was progressive and it came out as a very good product. And then Sachin Nadali decided to demo it at the Windows developer conference. They launched it on Twitter in the US and it became out as a Nazi speaking, swearing female. So launching Beeb, it's going to have to go out very carefully. But the question is where do you see Beeb being evolved? Where will it first meet the public? How are it going to interface the public? Where do you think the first place will be? The, the first place probably remains on Windows devices as we move from a beta version to a more general release on Windows devices. There are very many Windows devices, but not many of them are smart speakers. So I think beyond that, as Beeb develops, I, I, I imagine that it's going to be something that we begin to create partnerships with all manner of hardware manufacturers and smart speaker and other smart speaker assistants themselves to integrate this service. So why do it? I think that's a lot of your, a lot of your questions are getting at that. So if, if I can try and make it simple, the, the average person in, in, in the UK is beginning to start talking to their devices. A third of British adults now claim ownership of at least one smart speaker. It's a fairly striking statistic. It looks like you'll start talking more and more to your television, start talking more and more to your in-car entertainment, 
and getting things that you need in life, whether that's news, news is a big one for us, radio stations, content, podcasts, history, understanding the world, entertainment. As that begins to evolve, we want to enable the license fee payer to be able to seek a conversation with the BBC directly. And Beeble is, is a great means of achieving that. And we want, and this is common with the philosophy that we have across technologies, we're not the commercial agency that's going to do a deal with one or another person. We're going to seek to make it available to the whole market and, and make it available to everyone as much as possible so that when you need the BBC, you can talk to us and get an answer that you're confident came through, uh, through us. So will it be a licensed product or an open source product? Where do you think um, you'll position it eventually? I'm not even sure what the question gets at. Really. Well, if I was a car manufacturer or I was a hardware manufacturer, do I engage in a license to the BBC or can I take a Beeb yeah. and the, the, the intellectual development that occurs and adapt it and make it my own? Is Beeb going to be always a BBC interface or is Beeb a technology that will be able to be morphed and used for other interfaces? Because if you took Alexa, for example, now with Polly, it doesn't have to be the Alexa voice. It now can be yeah, sure. a branded interface. So could a corporate take Beeb and say, I love the technology that you've developed, but I'm going to get my version of Beeb to talk yeah. to my corporate interface? Sam, you have, that is, I love it because you, that's a very good incisive questioning because you've raised a whole bunch of important <laughs> issues in that question. Look, you're getting down to open source of license is really at, at root what you're asking what are the legal structure is of Beeb. Sorry, yes. Let me not comment specifically on any particular structure, but I can talk about the, the general principles that we want to operate under. As we do with everything else, we want to distribute. The public has paid for the content and the services the BBC offers. We want it to be as widely available to them as possible. At the moment, we do that through a distribution policy that we invite everyone to, to, to satisfy. And as long as they do that, we make it available to them. We aren't about an exclusive technology play in the corner. We're a public service. And I think you can see it with coronavirus as a good example. People turn to the BBC in a time like this. Mm -hmm. um, we offered authoritative journalism, understanding and depth as much as we possibly could. The public wanted it and they got it from us. And we, we wouldn't want in any way for one part of the public to access that and not another. So yep. we will seek to empower the entire internet community. In terms of the technologies and whether they're open source, we certainly have a history of offering open source technologies from our R&D work, but that will happen over time. The video standards, for example, that the iPlayer developed became generally accepted across the industry and openly available. And I'm sure that philosophy applies, but I'm not going to get into any specifics about the technology here because I don't think that's, this is the time. Generally speaking, Beeb is like early days. I don't want to over-aggrandize it, but you can see it as a, a, an intervention in the internet ecology, much like we've made in the past with iPlayer, where we're seeking an openly available way for everybody in the public to access this important stuff that, that you pay us to do. I'm assuming that the machine learning data sets only against the BBC's data set. So Beeb is really using the archives, using the content that's currently being produced. That's where it's working against its data source. So you're not going to be producing BBC hardware. There's not going to be 
a BBC HomePod or a BBC Radio or... No, that is not our decision at this time. And some of the press spin about BBC, inevitably, there's been this, oh, the BBC is going up against other voice assistants. And, and that's really not what this is. We are offering a choice to the public that when they need to speak to the BBC for the kinds of things that we specialise in and, and that we exist to do as a public broadcaster, they can speak directly to us. We are hoping that everybody else sees the value in that and wants to open up that route to the public too and to their customers. And so we're wanting to work with anybody really from, if, if anyone listening to this is manufacturing hardware and thinks it's really intriguing to have a BBC assistant, that's cool. And we think as it develops, that's the conversation we would want to have. Equally, we're at the dawn of an, uh, a new age with smart assistants of them being able to speak with each other and be on the same devices and stuff. We do something that nobody else does. We're, we're the world's biggest public broadcaster. We want to continue to be able to do that thing in a new chapter of the internet. And we think that having this capability to be able to serve conversational requests ourselves will show the world that we can do that. Does that make sense okay. to you? I, I get where you're positioning it, and I fully understand why you're doing it. I think we said offline, you, you can't just have two, maybe three voice assistants in the world. So we need more portals and gateways if voice is the fourth way that we're going to interface to the web than yeah. there needs to be other ways. So when we grew up, our parents had the option. If they were going to punk us in front of the telly, there was BBC television for children, which is a public service. And that's one of the great things, I think, about growing up in the UK. So in the future, when our children want to talk to the internet, we want to be able to offer the choice that they can talk to the public service broadcaster and have confidence that what they're getting is something that comes from that same stable of quality and editorial values. So it's just having that option and that choice available. It does make me ask the question, why did you choose Northern Man as the voice for Beeb? You are raising a bunch of questions there too. But this is something that's been picked up because it is so different to how a number of the other assistants in the marketplace kind of sound. And that is entirely knowingly done by us. So I think when we sat down, we said, what is this voice? So we made a bunch of early decisions about what this voice should and shouldn't be. One important one is that Beeb is not the BBC. It, it has the DNA of the BBC in terms of our values. And that was interesting because we had a little think about what our values are in 2020. And there are traditional values in our charter, but also you, you hear words that are a bit different sometimes. We're, we're much more nowadays about empowering the user. And so these are part of our values. And we had a little think about what our values are. And then the next process of extrapolation is we know we don't want it to be like a corporate expression of the BBC, but we do want it to have BBC DNA. We want it to be lively. We want it to be representative. We also, in terms of our values, were paying attention to the way the press was looking at and the debates were going on around other voice assistants. So there's a kind of a strong thing about subservient female. I was going to say that has been a massive issue about the way we talk to them, shouting at them or admonishing them when they don't answer immediately. And there's two aspects of that, aren't there? There's the female, the fact that many of them have female voices, and there's the subservience. They're called assistants and put those two things together, and there's this powerful debate happening about what these technologies are. And I think we were just really mindful of that. So in looking at the voice, we were quite keen to cast a more male-sounding voice. I'm quite keen to 
make sure that we at least considered a really representative range of British voices. So it, it, it's not that we made the decision on a whiteboard one day that it has to be a northern male voice, but we, we cast around for what the voice is and we looked at options that maybe reflected a vision of our values and modern Britain. And we're quite aware that this is the first ever voice assistant that we know of, at least developed in the UK. And most voice assistants are coming from Silicon Valley or potentially from China. I think this is quite a big deal for Britain to have a voice assistant. And so we're aware that we want to reflect all of that in the voice. And, and that's how we came up with the, the voice that we currently cast. So I should say Beeb is genderless. Like it is not a he. In the future, there may be other voices for Beeb. But certainly in terms of it's more identifiably a male voice. I'm very comfortable with that because I think it sends the, the message that we've been mindful of that debate and we, we aren't thinking of this as, as something subservient. The, the other thing is that we don't think the BBC's persona in the world is going to be particularly a subservient one. We would aspire much more to what we think we are in our radio stations and in our uh, television stations and our internet sites, which is we're a companion. We're, we're much more part of life someone you turn to for advice, but also uh, truth and information and accuracy, but also kind of keeping you company. And we want our voice assistant to be able to do all those things. But we're aware that in the beta, we're not going to be able to be a full service companion to everything in life because that's, no one's really managed that yet with voice technology still evolving. So now we were doubly keen to make sure that we didn't give the impression of a subservient female personality because so much of the criticism has been about that. Will you try and do what I think Amazon did with their uh, Alexa for kids, which is uh, force the child to say please and thank you in order to get the Beeb to work further? So, for example, there is a version of Amazon Alexa for kids which says if you don't at the end of a sentence say thank you or, or please at the beginning, it doesn't listen to the command. Do you think you'll go that far? down to something very specific there. No, we have no current plans to go down that road. However, what I would say is voice assistants are becoming in many households part of the fabric of our lives in our kitchens and in our cars. They will no doubt have an influence on human language. And I think we are really mindful of that. And one other aspect of that isn't just please and thank you, but it's also the way that English is spoken in these islands. You'll notice me speaking to you with a slightly Welsh twang, hopefully. English in the UK is just wonderfully variable. And yes. as a national broadcaster, we're really mindful of that. And, and not just in the UK, globally as well. The BBC in the past has been influential in how the English language has been uh, used. And, and we're aware that voice is part of that. Beeb has a warm and gen generally northern accent, if you could say. Like it's not particularly identified with a particular district, I don't think. But certainly the people speaking to it, we're aware that they will come from all over the UK. They will speak everything from a heavy Scots accent to a heavy Welsh accent or Roadman or Patois. It, it, it'll be part of the way people speak to us. So we're really keen to train Beeb to understand as much of the, of the way English is spoken in these islands and be part of making sure that the English language endures in, it, and grows and, and remains as diverse and eclectic and interesting as it is. You said something about smart assistants, which is universally true, which is they're not very smart now in, in the sense that we don't give them enough trust. So, for example, I don't have the Alexa that I have within the house. It has my calendar, but it didn't really have any integration to my calendar. So 
if I had a meeting in two hours time or I had to get on a train, which I don't do these days, it could interface to me back and say something's going to happen. You need to leave now. The traffic's heavy. Do you yeah. see B extending beyond interfacing to BBC itself to be much more of a smart assistant? So will it become my companion? You talk about the, the companion nature. So will it have access to my calendar? Will it have access to uh, traffic weather? I assume that will come from the BBC, but will it be yeah. broader in its reach than it is currently? It's a really good question. So what I'd go back to is, is almost like a philosophical answer to your question. In my career, I've spent a lot of time observing the direction of the, the internet. I think we both feel that the voice stroke ambient stroke AI ecology is still very much in its infancy. And there's an ability for the BBC and, and public service broadcasting generally to be part of this space and to make sure that we have an anchor point in, in a world of talking machines, that there's an anchor point for what the BBC and what public service broadcasting is. I think the internet by its nature is quite a syncretic place. You can see assistants talk to other assistants you can see that there are interfaces between partners and content. It's not a kind of a naive view of the internet that we're taking. So yes, potentially, Beeb can play a role in your internet life, which involves some of that stuff. But that's crystal gazing quite yes. far away from where we are now. We wanted to show that we can do a voice assistant, that it can be a beta, that it can exist, that we, we're learning what a conversation with the BBC means for people. And in the fullness of time, I think that we would like the BBC assistant to play a role in your internet life. And, and I think that's important. We talked about it being a beta program and how to access it. When will you think consumers will get first access to it? And in what platform do you think you'll see it appear? Will it be an interface to BBC iPlayer, BBC Sound? Will it be a standalone application that we install? How do you see the consumer getting access to it first? Like I say, at the moment, it's on Windows Insiders, and I assume it will go to general release on Windows. I'm not going to give you an exact date, but I would be disappointed if that takes many years. 2020 has been quite a rock and roll so far for all of us. In terms of its journey beyond that, I think that there's a lot of possibility, and a lot will depend on partnerships. We have these strong partnerships now with people like Alexa and Google and manufacturers of various sorts, many of whom integrate BBC products. So I think we're looking to that ecology and saying, how can we make it move beyond where it is now? So I would love it if that journey is to multiple of those things that you've named, but I'm not going to put specific dates on it. Now we're just making sure that it works and also trying to give it some superpowers. Like it's going to get better at what it does. And I've got lots of ideas I can tell you about where we're going in our direction of travel in terms of what the BBC assistant would be able to do. And I think let's push that forward for now and hope that with our partners, bring it to a, a large number of people over time. You said it. So let me ask you the same question back to you. What's in your head and what ideas do you have? What's yeah, the sure. roadmap? So the key thing now for Beeb is around the discovery of our content. And our content is very rich. We have a whole bunch of stuff at the moment. Now you can ask for your favorite BBC Sound stations, podcasts, radio programs. That is awesome. I would like content discovery to become more intuitive. So I'll give you an early example of the sorts of things that would be exciting for us to do. Inspire me, hopefully. How about an NHS tribute poem by Matthew Kelly 
read by Christopher Eccleston. I'll tell you a tale that's been recently written of a powerful army, so great Britain. They didn't have bombs and they didn't have planes. They fought with their hearts and they fought with their brains. I'll just pause it there, but you see the point there. Or if I say, tell me a QI fact. Here's Sandy Toxvig with a fun fact. Sea otters have underarm pockets where they keep food and their favourite stones. Otters' flaps of underarm skin are a handy space for them to store tasty snacks or their favourite rock. I'll pause it there again, because I I know your appetite for sea otters may not be as... Interesting fact of the day. Where do we go with that? I I asked for a QI, but you could also just say, tell me a fact. So I think it's about understanding what sorts of things people want to say to us beyond specifically requesting a programme and having the power and the technology to be able to service that request using the amazingly rich content that we have at the BBC. And that is creatively such an exciting door to open because we have a lot of great stuff. And you've got an amazing archive as well. We've got an amazing archive. And as a program maker, it's interesting because if indeed people are more keen to tell us about their mood or their state of mind than they are just to ask for a specific piece of content, that opens up a really interesting new dynamic in terms of being able to curate the world of BBC content for people. So being able to say, inspire me or tell me a fact or give me something fun, or I'm bored, or have you got something for the kids and us together in the car? So that's really interesting. And then I think the directions of travel editorially and in terms of creatively are pretty clear from the stuff that we're doing now. So what have we done so far within Voice and AI? Well, we've launched a children's skill on Alexa. It's won a lot of prizes. It's very good. You can play games with some of your favorite BBC children's characters. You can ask for a bedtime story and you'll get a bedtime story from the, our bedtime story strands on CBBS, which is pretty amazing. So you can get Dolly Parton or Romesh Ranganathan will read you a bedtime story. Hopefully not. I know. So that's really interesting. News. We've already launched the world's first interactive audio news service. It's very good. Thank you. Via Alexa. And that's interesting because in a way, it's just radio news. But in another way, it allows you to make some choices about that news. And you can move through to stories that interest you. You can ask for more. And if you ask for more, there's amazing depth of content on any topic. We've just recently, literally hot off the press, I think last night at about nine o'clock, launched a very local bulletins for Leicester because of what's happening there's a local lockdown we've launched that in English and Gujarati we've also launched those in a whole bunch of other places we're extending that out so we've got a bunch of Coventry and Warwickshire Manchester Wales in both Welsh and English have got now daily or sometimes several times daily local news bulletins so you can imagine putting all of that together that we can begin to have uh, a new service that understands where you are, is able to offer you really local information, connect you to your community, but also allow you to be able to, in a very simple and conversational way, go to any topic you're interested in. We've just started putting the sport briefing in with the news briefing. So if you're really interested in sport, you can go straight to that. And all of that is happening in our Alexa skill or Alexa skills. But Obviously, you have access to the same content, but allow us more measures of control in how we do that. Another really exciting service that we've launched recently is called the Corona Bot. And if you heard of that? No, haven't heard that one. So that's living now in Facebook Messenger, but it's built using a part of the same technology stack as Beeb, which is about conversational access to content. So it's coronavirus. We've all been so confused. And as the story evolves, we get more confused. How many friends am I allowed to meet up with? Am I allowed to meet up with my parents? There'll be all these questions. So what we've done with the Corona bot is we've brought in BBC reporting 
into a conversational two-way relationship. At the moment, it's on a text-based chat platform, but we obviously would love to bring that into a voice environment where you can ask natural questions and you can get an answer that you can trust. There's not misinformation in it. It's not going to say something ludicrous about 5G that someone's posted on the internet. It's BBC fact-checked stuff. And also really excitingly in that, which I think pertains to one of your earlier questions, there's also stuff that we've managed to bring in from the NHS so that it's all in one place. So if you ask for advice about coronavirus restrictions, you have BBC content and NHS content, all stuff that you can trust. And so these are the sorts of services that I envision being able to offer and flesh out what we mean when we say this grand thing of public service AI, stuff that we actually do. We do local news. We do it more than anybody else because that is a really important part of our public service. And we do really great fact-checked, accurate information. We do sport. We do some really exciting possibilities in the world of radio and music as well. I I work very closely with BBC Sounds and some really exciting stuff in that space. So we are looking at what we can do now that we have our own assistant that can go beyond what we've been able to do in our partnerships with places like Alexa. Those very much continue too. And we're just developing a whole range of new ways to access the same content we're already making. So it's discovery and it's adapting content types into these new formats. So many questions came out from what you just said. So the first thing is I get the Alexa skill. I use the news one already and I can see how you can localize that and use the top of the pyramid to access the massive vault that exists underneath, which is the BBC. And I can see that Beeb now is really a, a voice interface into the heart of the Beeb rather than trying to be a generic competitor to your Alexas and your Googles. And so if that's the case, you kept saying a couple of words. Discoverability was one of the key words that you pulled out there. Yeah. And I can see that because as a podcaster as well, one of the challenges we have is in, in the whole of this podcast is how will someone find the core nuggets of the information? I could imagine that Beeb would allow me to have topical queries into the BBC that could be local, national or international. So I might want to know everything about Liverpool Football Club that ever gets mentioned by anything within the BBC and maybe yeah. could have that interface to me. That is something that so, we, that's something we talk about a lot. I mean, and in your time of need, you might also desperately need to know something about coronavirus, for example, or equally, discovery is a really interesting discovery, I think, is one of the huge problems of this voice-based internet. Right? Like, I think it's a, it's a problem for the internet, period. But anyway. It's a problem for the internet. It's exacerbated in voice environments. There's a bit of a risk that the internet can become more closed if discovery is as restricted as voice almost naturally makes it. You ask for what is going on with coronavirus, you are entirely in the hands of whoever you asked. And they can only really give you one result because... It's not like you're sitting in front of a computer or even a phone with lots and lots of things to scroll through. You're talking to something. If it offers you 25 results, you're going to stop listening quite quickly. Um, and, And so that's the nature of it. So in that world, we think that there are times when you will, as the license fee payer or as the member of the public, find it most appropriate to be able to ask the BBC. And we want to be able to service that request. And that's really the root of what we're doing here. All the other stuff, the warm voice and all that, it's all great. But what it's really about is being able to serve the public when they need to know something or get something. Uh, Look, I would say that discovery function that we offer in the world goes beyond 
the classic use case is the news. I'm certainly very interested in the news, but just think about music. One of the problems in music streaming is also discovery. And we, the BBC, solve that problem for you by having amazing taste-making radio stations and DJs. And we also do that with public service editorial. So we have BBC Introducing. We foster new British talent. A station like One Extra has you know, done wonderful things for a British-based black music scene. These are the exciting things that we can begin to draw on in like, how can we use voice services to do these same things in the world and get people to discover the world anew? Our head of product, Andy, is fond of saying the BBC is all of its content and it's also the knowledge contained in that content. And it's really interesting to be able to think about how we help you understand the world by using that same content in this new way. So that opens up two questions. What is this tech stack? You mentioned that there's a tech stack for Beeb. What is the tech stack? If I start talking about the tech stack and if my colleagues in product and engineering are listening, they will turn blue in the face because I'm the editor. So my job is to think of some of the the great editorial applications so they can do a better description of the tech stack. But with that caveat, let me talk about it anyway. Okay. Ignoring everything I said before. (laughs) Fundamentally, it's about being able to take a request from the public, understand what that is, infer an intention from it, and be able to match that intention to a result. That's what voice assistants basically do. You'll correct me if I'm wrong there. So let's break that down into an editorial view of the world. So this has been the big realization for me, I think, is because you could say, look, you make the content, the tech does the search, brilliant. And that is how we operate in a number of platforms. But as people start to ask more granular questions of the conversational internet, I think the understanding of that, what they mean, the passing of that intent and the values that are inherent to the matching of that intent also becomes a part of the editorial. So it's not just that we've got a piece by BBC uh, Reality Check, you know, which is pointing out that the 5G conspiracy theory is probably without basis. It really matters what somebody asked, what we're choosing to answer it with, whether that answer is coming from and being chosen by the values of somebody like, somebody like the BBC, because there are lots of people wanting to play mischief with that. And in my career as a journalist and as an editor, I covered the social web and I saw this becoming more of an issue. It was my teams that did some of the early reporting on misinformation in the US or the French elections and the British elections. And there were definitely actors wanting to target the UK public with effectively propaganda for all sorts of reasons. We can get into who they were. And I'm sure when the Russian reports released by Boris, it will be crystal clear to us all. But that is going on on the internet. Yeah. And the voice internet is just as susceptible to that. And what we have in, on the open internet is our platforms, like the BBC News website or BBC iPlayer. And people know where they can go to get trusted stuff. In the social web, that's been a real challenge for public broadcasting. And I think that's going to be even more of a challenge or at least as much of a challenge in the ecology of AI assistance. Again, going back to the idea of enabling somewhere for people to be able to to know they're speaking to us is important. It doesn't mean that we're antithetical to the rest of it. It's all amazing. I am so excited about voice in general, not just the BBC's role and AI assistance in general. 
And I hope there's a vibrant ecology of AI assistants out there. Somewhere in that, I want to make sure that when people want to ask the BBC about the 5G conspiracy theory, that we're able to actually service that request. The one trend that's going on now is a flight to trust. I think people have begun to realise that the laissez-faire open internet has good and bad content within it, and fake news probably is the word of 2019. And in that sense, I'm beginning to pay for things like the FT. I do use the BBC as a trusted source. I do want to use Medium and pay for certain people's content because I want to get that content continually and I want to support them. So I, I can see that what you're saying is that the BBC is a trusted source. So Beeb will be that interface as a voice interface. So I can imagine getting my morning coffee, waking up and saying, Beeb, tell me everything about X. And it will go across local, national, or wherever it can within the Beeb. Or it might be just tell me everything where Stormzy's playing. And it might tell me, oh, look, you should be watching Glassbury on, on BBC Two now. Or giving me an alert which says next week on Monday, he'll be playing on Radio One Extra. So I get how, by listening to you and talking with you, how I see Beeb could interface and be very valuable. But it does dawn on me, just as a simple question, I guess, you have a plethora of knowledge of how to build interactive skills. You've proven that with the BBC News. Why didn't you just take that and extend that and take uh, Beeb to be a, a voice within the skills that you already have and just roll it out that way? Because really, if I use Uber, it's just using Uber as a data source. If I use Domino's, if I use any of the other skills, it, it's going to that data source. The data source is the BBC. The voice interface happens to be Beeb but you could have built that within inside a skill itself and just rolled that out. Why wouldn't you have done that? Look, it's, it's a good question. And the skills route, as it were, is not something that we're abandoning by any means. But uh, I think it's about, I go back to that notion of choice. There are limits on what we can do in the current skills architecture. And some of that is really, really simple. In our interactive news service, you have to say, Alexa, ask the BBC for more. Oh, sorry, ask Alexa more from the BBC. Which is yeah, its, it's syntax is very limiting. So that's a very practical example. But it, I think it goes beyond that. It goes to this idea of, is there a place where you can have a genuine conversational relationship with the BBC in full? I don't think it means that we only want our content to only ever be available in that space at this point. But I think we, we would like to see what we can do with that and the power of that and be able to offer that as a choice to people. Because I think this goes back to a really interesting question about the internet as well, about publishers and platforms. And I think one of the lessons of maybe the last 10 to 20 years for publishers has been that there is a bit of an erosion of your relationship with the public because of that interface with platforms. And I think for our editorial mission, that, that can be a problem. If I can try and put it in simple terms, I spent a lot of time making content for social platforms and democracy still has suffered. It's not that we were absent from putting content into every new digital platform that comes along. It's good that we do a lot of that stuff. We can reach audiences who don't come to us in any other way, but intrinsic to it is that people are feeling less informed than before. But before I did this job, I started and ran something called BBC Trending, which was a, a unit a part of the world service, a unit reporting on the global social web. So I had through that cockpit a view of what was happening in many, many countries. And it was really interesting. And to be honest, in the year before the launch of Beeb, I, I went and had some conversations in countries like India, 
where we launched an experimental new service using the Google Assistant for the Indian elections. And we had conversations in European countries, had conversations in the US and obviously the UK. And I also had some conversations with Japanese and Korean people. And in all of those conversations, in all of those parts of the world, there was a generalized sense that this trust crisis that you mentioned is going on. It's in some way linked to the technological landscape that we're in. And without being too prescriptive about who or what is to blame, part of that is surely got to be that these trusted publishers are living in an ever more fragmented, algorithmically controlled space. And I don't think any of that is done on purpose. I think it's something that's happened over time. And those technologies enable a lot of great things too. But one of the things to be mindful of is this effect. And I think that the voice ecology could go the same way if we as the actors shaping the voice ecology at the early dawn of it aren't mindful of that possibility. You're right. Fundamentally, Facebook is now an untrusted pool of content. You don't know what to trust and what not to trust within it. The World Service on the radio was a trusted source globally. And I can see what you're trying to develop in the sense that Beeb is a trusted source of content. And I can see that extending Beeb to allow me to make intelligent queries or smart assistant calls will be the way that I interface to it in the future. Because I, I, I have no idea what BBC Berkshire put on this morning, and now it's gone. They may have had the best interview I've missed in the world, but I will never know about it because I won't go back and look at it. But my question is, do you have to change the way that you encode the content in order for Beeb to be able to access it? in the way that you're looking at. It may be my lack of knowledge, but how do you access the fragmentation elements of the audio content or video content in order to abstract out specific elements of keywords within it? Or are you encoding that when you record it? So how would I know, or how would Beeb know that Radio 1 played Stormzy this morning and that he was on Glastonbury and next week going to be uh, interviewed? How is that interface working? You'll keep on hearing me say that we're really only on day one with Beep, and I'll emphasize that again. But where we are now is pretty good because of things like BBC Sounds and iPlayer and the way that we have a whole range of content in our sports site or our website. We have a lot of great digital first content already. Part of the challenge is about getting out the content that can best answer voice style queries. So you can see that in the local news bulletins, which are being created. They're going out on the radio too, but the teams are aware that they will come out and be available separately to voice assistants. And, and that, you know, as a creative person, that the way that you tell the story is dependent on where the story is going to be. As they begin to understand that that could come out in a voice-based query, they will tell the story slightly differently from how they would only ever going to be on the radio. So there's quite a lot we can do now. But the journey is really a long one. Like the potential is amazing. Your description of Beeb is better than mine, Sam. The possibilities of it, I love it. There is definitely a lot of development and, and a journey to go on to realize the most sci-fi benefits, if you like, of the public service voice assistant. There's quite a lot we can begin to do already. And I'm really proud of the progress we've made in the last couple of years. We've come out of not having anything really in this space to having the biggest Alexa skill, a leading news service, probably the most innovative in the world now. I think we can get to an ever better place. But the journey has just begun. And Beeb is in a way just a proof of concept now. If I'd said a year ago, we'll have a voice assistant technology, so you'd be able to talk to the BBC, you would have probably raised your eyebrows. And now we've at least shown that, that is possible. And there's a journey to go on. No, amazing master. Last couple of questions. How big is your team? 
my individual team is relatively small. It's uh, a number of producers and we sit underneath BBC Sounds. But we partner with design and engineering. So from an internal BBC point of view, and this may not be interesting to all of your audiences, but it's been very interesting to put forward something like this, which involves, I hope, some kind of cutting edge editorial thinking um, alongside some cutting edge technology. Another reason that we would never want to compete with the giants of the voice industry is we couldn't. But we do believe we have something to offer in this space and we're doing just enough to be able to offer those voice assistant giants something of real use to their audiences and offer the public something of real use. So I'm not going to get into the the specific numbers because it's not big. We've got a design and engineering division that has 3,000 people in it. We have been a technology developer and that strength is amazing to be able to call on. But we're having to do a lot by being clever and working with partners. And really, we, we won't be able to do any of this without those partnerships. So if they're listening, we're very pleased to work with you all. I will ask, because I'm a Mac user, is there any plan for the Mac? I know you're running on an emulator now. There isn't a specific plan that I can reveal now. I think we'll, we'll certainly go on Windows devices, but I, I'm very keen to establish partnerships to get Beeb in front of people in, if you like, more voice native spaces. Because people use voice on laptops, for sure. But equally, we're really interested in the smart speaker. And we're really interested in other new emerging areas of voice interaction. I think James Pennell said recently that this is something that's going to be in your kitchen and your living room. And we want to be in your kitchen and your living room. um, Because that's where ambient computing will really take off. I've got six Alexas in the house and one in the car. So I I quite happily have Beeb join me. Oh, we would love it. We would love it. Look, thank you so much for your time. This has been fascinating. Can you remind everyone again, if they want to get hold of this beta, how they can get hold of it, please? So it's running in Windows Insiders. So that's an open beta program. You can register to be part of Windows Insiders. And then UK users of Windows Insiders will be able to um, access the beta. Brilliant. Mukul Devichan, thank you so much for your time. It's been fascinating. Good luck with the Beeb. I'll be keeping an eye out for it. Thank you very much, Sam. Lovely to speak to you. Thank you, Sam. That show was amazing. Don't forget to visit samtalks.technology to discover more great shows. See you next week. Same time, same place.